passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now. Here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. we got a special show for you, a mailbag show. we got a lot of questions, comments, suggestions, everything coming in over the weekend after USC's loss to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, plus opting out of a bowl game. So we got tons of voicemails, texts, emails. We wanted to do a mailbag show. We already kind of broke it down. We did an emergency podcast uh, the day after uh, the loss on Saturday with Gerard Martinez. Did the uh, Harvey Hyde podcast. We did a tunnel vision show on Sunday night. Now I'm going to get Keely Yor in, and we're just going to basically try to bang out all those questions you sent in. We know you take the time to send them in. We wanted to take the time to be able to answer those. So this is going to be a mailbag palooza. With Keely, your follow on Twitter at Keely is my name. If you do want to send a question for the show, uh, we'll probably take a little break over the holidays, but we'll come back and answer your questions. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you could call or text us at 424-254-9141. And then if you have an Apple podcasting app on any of your devices, please subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating. Uh, positive review is awesome. And any kind of comments, feedback, suggestions you have. And if you have a question, we will bump you right up to the top of the list. And we're here to do that. We got Keely Yor that she always helps out with that kind of stuff. She's got the iPhone. I just have an Android. But Keely, how are you doing, sir? Or sir, <laughs> ma'am? This is crazy. Sorry, I've been talking a lot. No worries, Ryan. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I forgot to answer your question because I was called sir, but I'm doing well and ready to go through all these questions. We have. You, you know what's funny? I thought maybe people would just be apathetic you know go back into their off-season sadness but people are fired up and and you know that's rightfully so i would say yeah it's uh i mean we we uh we are we have empathy for the usc fan base you know we we understand like that when they're complaining about something it's not like that's the first time we heard it it's not like we don't always you know we agree quite a bit uh with what the fans have to say so we're going to be there with you. Uh, sometimes we'll just probably read your question and we say, hey, we already talked about that. We'll move on. But we wanted to get your voice out there. And um, we have 10 voicemails to get to, uh, more emails than that and texts and stuff. So we probably should jump right in. Before we do, I just wanted to thank uh, our sponsor, Trader Joe's, heading into the holidays. Hopefully you're staying safe out there, but you need something uh, 
for you know your your immediate family. You want to go get something at Trader Joe's. One thing I found on there that I want to try out is the corn chip dipper chili pie. So they use Ooh. the organic corn chip dippers, which are from Trader Joe's. They're great if you just want to have some salsa or a little queso. But this one, there's a recipe if you go to TraderJoe's.com. If you want to make the the chili pie, it's pretty simple. Um, you got some turkey chili uh, that you make up there with the, the three cheese Mexican blend, shredded cheese, and then um, you know if you want to get some TJ's hot and sweet jalapenos and put in this little chili pie, looks really good. I want to definitely try it out. But th- those corn uh, chip dippers are awesome just for like queso or salsa or anything else too. But it's a little you know kind of hearty meal uh, or a little hearty snack, Keely, if you want to do that for the holidays. That sounds exciting. I, and the chip dippers, I love a good chip that can scoop. So it sounds good to me. It's a scooper. Yeah. Um, so we check that out. All right. So we've all the newsy stuff we've talked about, right? I mean, I don't think there's anything we need to get into, Keely, before. Pretty we just much. Ju- there's so much that was going on. Um, and we covered a lot of that, like I said. Tunnel vi- make sure you check out Tunnel Vision. It was an hour and forty five minutes and it's up on the pod you know, podcasting forum on the Peristyle podcast feed, so you can listen to all of that. The the emergency podcast with Gerard, I think people really liked. Um, so Gerard gets his football takes, not just recruiting takes. And then Harvey Hyde brought some fire. He brought a little heat uh, to <laughs> the podcast. So this will be about letting – we're, we're going to be therapy. You know, it's going to be a therapy session for USC fans. We're going to let them vent yep. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to start with a voicemail or you want to start with an email? What would you like to do? Let's start with an email. How about okay. that? Yes. So Stephen Poway sent us a question about USC's offensive line. He says, Dear Keely and Ryan, is it true that Kayvon Thibodeau is changing his address to the USC offensive backfield? No, seriously. It seemed like he was in Slovis' face on every play. I believe USC made some progress this year on defense, continues to attract outstanding skill players, and seems to have awesome chemistry, which helped them win close games. But I believe until they address the lack of high-quality offensive line depth, USC will never return to elite status. And the fact that Oregon is attracting both the top defensive recruits like Thibodeau and outstanding linemen means that they will dominate the Pac-12 for the foreseeable future. In other words, last Friday's game was no fluke. Your thoughts? Fight on, Steve and Poway. Hey, Steve. Yeah, I think uh, line play is is certainly a concern. I think when we talked with Shotgun, he rewatched the game. Didn't feel that it was the offensive line, you know, completely just tanking um that there was some good stuff and there was some bad stuff uh from the offensive line but you know Thibodeau for sure was a uh, permanent resident in the USC's backfield uh, I think Shotgun said he had 12 pressures uh we know that uh, Elijah Vera Tucker was not 100% and either side either tackle he was taking on he pretty much dominated so yeah that's a problem and you know when USC's grabbing like a great uh secondary class that's awesome but you know who's getting the best offensive lineman on the West coast, Oregon is, and you got to win in the trenches. So I, I definitely think that's a concern. USC's recruited some, some offensive linemen. I think they like, but they certainly have not been the high rated guys. And typically when you see USC be good in the offensive line, it's, they got that five-star guy. That's like a surefire thing and plays as a freshman or a true, you know, a redshirt freshman. And I'm not sure you have any of those guys on this roster. There's more projects, but, and they're going to have to grow into playing, especially left tackle next year, most likely. So I, I agree with Stephen Powell. I think there's some concern there. Yeah, there's definite concern. We talked about this in tunnel vision, but the, 
further you go, the less that USC can make up with high talented recruits because the the recruiting has has failed lately, and we've talked about this. But I think it's a multifaceted issue. I know you talked about this with Harvey High, but the scheme doesn't help USC's offensive linemen at all in that sense. And and the problem too is, you know, you give a foothold not only in recruiting but just in trash talk. We haven't talked about it yet, but Mario Cristobal in the the Fiesta Bowl uh, presser. He was asked about recruiting, and he said, I think you strengthen your foothold by what you do year in and year out as a program uh, opposed to tweeting or making edits about what you're going to do. And that's that's a shot across the bow. And I think we know which program he's talking about, Ryan. Yeah, I got a text this morning. I was doing my workout, and I got a text this morning from uh, a, a friend of mine who played for the University of Oregon, played in the NFL. And he's like, this is a shot at USC. I'm like, yep, that is. <laughs> so... Uh, but you can back it up. You know, you can say take back yeah. the West all you want, but if you're not going to win on the field, and you're not going to win on the recruiting battles, then you're not really taking back to West. So, Steve and Poway, uh, we we hear you. We hear you. Uh, we understand, and uh, we agree with you. All right, yeah. let's. Uh, this is a, a double voicemail. I'm going to play. There's these were kind of back to back, so I'm going to play the first one for you. Hey Ryan, Rich from Los Angeles. I've just watched the game. I'm now convinced that this team was lucky all year and their offense is inimaginative. And also the most important thing, I'm convinced that administration is not interested in having our team play at the highest level penalties, unimaginative offense it's terrible i'm out and then he follows Ryan up rich with, from los angeles i've been a season ticket holder for 45 years what i'm seeing now is ridiculous i'm out uh so rich just called back just let us let us know we're getting a lot of that keely you know hey i've been a yeah. season ticket holder forever and i'm I'm done with this. I don't think, you know, it's tough. I think the administration is in a tough spot. They came into a really difficult position and you have to clean up this enormous mess from, you know, the previous administrations. But at the end of the day, you know, do you feel like Clay Helton is a championship coach? I know there's a huge buyout and all that kind of stuff. There's a, you know, the lawsuits, maybe not having the support of the president. There's there's a lot of issues there that they're dealing with, but the pressure is not going away, Keely. Like there's pressure on this administration. I think they want to win. I mean, I know they want to win. They don't want, I don't think they want mediocrity for the program. I think in their mind, their hands are tied a little bit. And a lot of the fans are like, we don't care. Like figure out a way you got to get out of this. And the more pressure that's on, you know, the administration to do something, maybe something will happen, you know, but I, I feel like they want to uh, go forward and 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 win and and make some you know the right choices. It's just right now it seems like that's a difficult thing to do. But sometimes you know when Elon Musk is you know trying to you know fly to Mars or whatever, and one of his engineers go, yeah, you know it'd be really hard to do that. He just goes figure it out, like make it happen. And I feel like that's where USC fans are right now. They're like, we get it. The president might not want to do this. Uh, there might be a lot of money involved. It's the you know, pandemic and, and lawsuits make it happen. And so that's sort of what Mike Bone is uh, tasked with. Like, can you figure out a way 
to get what the fan base wants. And right now they want a different direction for the football program. Yeah. I mean, I will say this. I think the athletic department administration definitely understands it. They understand where USC fans are coming from. They don't want mediocrity either. I think it's their, like you said, Ryan, their hands are tied, but you have to look above. Does Carol Folt really care about a winning program? Does the board of trustees care about a winning program? Those are important questions that I don't think, USC fans would really like the answer to. And so that's what you have to look at going forward. And you have to hope that USC's athletic administration can just do what they need to do despite that. And so, I mean, it would take kind of what we've seen with Auburn or Arizona where a donor steps in and and really helps things out. But I think they know that long-term it's better for the program if they move on. They just their hands are tied in that sense. So it's kind of I, it's it's not one of those things where in previous administrations like Lynn Swan's going to hand out an extension for for Clay. I don't think it's like that at all. It's just there are definitely uh, other circumstances, other factors that are are tying their hands right now. Yeah. All right. What we got next? Well, let's see. Uh, we have a question. We have a lot of questions about Harold, so we can we can dive into that. Uh, first off is from Trojan Rick, who also says that he's done. So sorry for everyone who's saying they're done. Uh, he says, I'm done. It pains me to, to say that we are okay with being mediocre. When most were saying this for years, I held on, but it's obvious to me now. While Oregon doubled down on a real coach when sensing poachers, big boy style. We insist on playing an offense that is best at best D3. Ryan, for the love of God, please admit that whatever what everyone else already knows, especially the national media. This garbage offense is not to be taken seriously. I personally refuse to waste my time anymore. feels like those in charge are turning a blind eye. It feels so wrong, but kids, recruits, if you want to win, I can't. A head coach and OC must go get like the big boy schools. Who cares about a buyout or deceptive record? Get them out of here. Wake me up when they're gone. Sadly, Trojan Rick, dot, 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 I'm done. Trojan Rick, um... Thanks for the email there. Uh, oh, that was a that was a text message actually. Yeah, it was kind of a long text message. <laughs> um, so there, Graham Harrell's definitely coming under a lot of fire. I mean, last year it was a really good offense. It's still a, a pretty good offense. The problem is you know, there's been a lack of a run game. And we talked about this on Tunnel Vision. The just the the weird things that Clay Helton will say that just kind of as soon as he says them, it seems like everything the course reverses. Like USC ran for average of like 173 yards or 174 yards in the Arizona games, the Arizona state game and the Arizona game. And he came out and said like LSU last year, that's what they were doing. Alabama, that's what they were doing. You got a prolific passing offense. You need to be able to run the ball at that clip too. And that's where we're going to be. And then for the rest of the season, they just fall off a cliff and they can't run the ball for, for anything. They just can't run it at all. And I feel like USC happened to run for 173 yards a game in the first two games, not this was the design thing. And I get it. Like I, when you saw Graham Harrell's offense at North Texas, I mean, they had, you know, guys that could run the football and they ran the ball pretty effectively for whatever reason, that's really not working at USC. Now you do have a offensive line coach who hasn't really coached any sort of air raid type of scheme before. Is that an issue? Um, You have running backs that are kind of bigger and, different bodies than what you would have uh, in this kind of offense, like what you saw at North Texas and Mike Jinks was working with guys. He's just never kind of worked with before. Um, But 
they should be better. Like those, they definitely got to be better running the football. I'm not willing to say the offense is crap. You know, there's versions of this kind of offense that have had, you know, really high levels of success, but there are, you know, there's some issues for sure. One, it's still Clay Helton coach team. And is there a push in one direction or another to not have quarterbacks uh, take off and run? Because even, you know, a guy like Keaton Slovis is athletic enough. He can keep the ball every once in a while. Well, they only have two scholarship quarterbacks right now. So you're afraid of doing that. Are you limiting yourself because of failures on the recruiting trail? I mean, there's, I think there's small failures or, or could be large failures throughout the program that contribute to what's going on. I like having a one guy running the offense, a good scheme. If it was the triple option or it's the air raid or the run and shoot or whatever it is, just having something that, you know, you do well, and they haven't done it as well this year for sure, but they still, you know, it still can be an effective offense. Um, and they've made a lot of mistakes. And is that, you know, red zone stuff, is that all coming from Graham Harrell? Is this coming from, you know, that's the culture of the program. There's going to be mistakes made. There's going to be penalties. There's going to be turnovers. That's a Clay Helton coach team. I mean, there's there's a culture there, and you take on the personality of the head coach. So I'm not willing to, you know, I'm not to say, oh, Clay, I mean, fire Graham Harrell. He's one of the best things going for the program right now. So, uh, I mean, I, I like what Todd Orlando's doing, you know, but there's still an overall culture issue, I believe. So that's, uh, I think that's more coming from Clay. But, you know, firing the offensive coordinator after, you know, two years, I'm just not sure that's going to fix everything. Like we've, we've gone through the fire of the coordinators, you know, you've done them all. You fire all of them. Um, Clay is still head coach. So, Going to like the next coordinator you want to fire, I don't think that's the magic bullet to solve things. Well, we have a question about firing coordinators, Ryan, so I'm just going to jump in and ask it right now. Okay. It's from Mike from Full Shear, Texas, who says, going on the assumption that SC doesn't have the money to replace Clay, do you think it's time for the Trojans to replace Graham Harrell? I do. We've now spent two seasons being grateful that the gumbo offense is gone, but I think we've seen enough to know that Graham is too stubborn to make changes necessary for us to win big games. If he took five days instead of three to install the offense during spring ball, maybe he could add enough wrinkles that maybe we could run the ball effectively and maybe scheme some wideouts open. If he refuses to have a quarterback practice under uh, a few practice, a few center snaps, or sorry, practice a few snaps under center. Could we at least do some pistols so that the back could at least uh, be behind him or closer to the line of scrimmage on short yardage situations? Love the show, but hate losing to what was pretty much a mediocre Oregon team. Mike from Full Shear, Texas. Hey, Mike. Um, let's see. Let, uh, he hasn't talked about pronunciation. Uh, full Shear. <laughs> what is it? Do I say it wrong or is he say? What does he say? I think. Last time I read his question, I just didn't say where he was from. And so he said, P.S. Keeley, Ryan can help you pronounce full shear so you don't skip it. And he put oh. a little cowboy emoji. So he called oh, me out. Okay, but I okay. just think I was going fast, Mike. But sure. I figured I pronounced it wrong. But I don't know. I mean, that's no. I just assumed that's how it's pronounced. So um, here's I mean, the thing. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to make a – sometimes where people come from, I'm like, I don't want to pronounce this wrong. So maybe that's what happened. But yes, Mike, you're right. <laughs> so – this is the thing. I think I gave an analogy of like the, uh, you know, like a real estate analogy where, you know, the house is, is Clay Helton. And that's, you know, that's what the, but you've changed the curb appeal. You've, uh, you know, put some new hedges in there and like, a, it's a nice paved walkway up to, uh, the house and, uh, maybe put some new siding on the house and, 
but they're still like the bones of the house are still going to be Clay Helton. And I feel like this is a thing where you're trying to sell a house and the real estate agent comes in and like, why doesn't they want to, you know, what this house and they go inside and like, it's a little uneven and like the bathroom's not connected to the bedroom. There's, there's some problems inside the house and the real estate agent goes, you know what? Let's, uh, we need some new shrubbery, you know, uh, let's get to this stuff here. Uh, we definitely want to go more of a, you know, a Midwestern look or whatever it is. I don't know. And then people still aren't buying the house and you're like, you know, scrap the shrubbery. Let's go, uh, Southwest. Let's go. Uh, we're going to go desert landscape out in front of the house and you're not addressing what the real problem is. So I feel like you're going to get rid of Harold. You're still not addressing what the real problem is. I think Harold is like, as, as far as problems go, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily consider Harold a problem, but he would be up there with some of the you know better things that have gone on with the program, at least from what we saw, you know, last year. And you're seeing what JT Daniels is able to do now. Just having an offense that's friendly for quarterbacks helps out. I, I don't think you fixing that. I mean, if you do that, Mike, what, what do you think USC is going to be like a national championship contender next year? Like get rid of Harold and that, that fixes everything. Like, I just don't see that being the case. I mean, you've done this, you've replaced all the coordinators and you know, you're still seeing this team struggle and, you know, barely beat terrible teams and lose to really the only quality team that were on the schedule this year. So that's a, uh, I think that's a bigger concern, you know, what's going on at the top as opposed to switch out another coordinator. That's, you know, I, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Desert landscape. That's hilarious, Ryan. But see, I see where, where Mike is coming from. I, I think the problem is, do we have this conversation if Keen Slovis isn't off? Something was off this season. It just, maybe it was in his head. Maybe it was maybe a lingering injury issue. What I've been told it was just in his head, but do we have that same conversation if he's off? I'm not sure. But the thing, too, is where I can see where Mike's coming from is when the run game is struggling, why aren't you switching it up uh, and, and introducing new things to help your running backs? I just felt like it was the same plays, the same run plays that we saw the whole season. So I was just wondering, like, why not just try and adjust that? Or if we ask about it, it just felt like it was like, well, we don't do that. It's like, well, maybe if you should, if, if it's not, you're not really having an effective run game in the second half of the season, you know? So I understand the frustration in that sense, but I don't think, like you said, Ryan, firing Harold is going to solve the issues that people wanted to solve. No, I think that's completely fair. And there, there was schematic stuff. I talked about it on Tunnel Vision a little bit. I got a text from like an NFL personnel guy and he's like, why are they, why aren't they spreading it out? They need to, you know, they have these such narrow splits and usually this offense, you have them split out wide and, they're not physical enough up front to to run the ball that way. And the big one is like, you know, the quarterback never running. Why are you running these kind of zone read concepts when yep. one of the options is never going to happen? So that's, yeah. yeah. So that all makes sense. Um, and, you know, maybe those things that you would have to adjust, but I don't think like, oh, fire Harold and then it all gets better. No, um, no. Let's go to another voicemail because we got a lot of them. Hey, Ryan, uh, I want to give you some credit. I feel like you're one of the the best minds in the Pac-12 and one of the best minds in college football podcasting. But I do have a, a question for you with regards to your continued sort of positive speech around the new faces in the athletic department and how they're going to be making new positive decisions that positively impact the Trojan program. Do you really need, like, does it really require these new people to understand that Clay is not a good coach? 
how many examples are required to know that he needs to get out, regardless of what it costs to get him out? Why is he still installed as the head coach of USC? And why is there belief that these new people are going to see it when it's already taken them a year and they haven't seen it? Uh, thanks. It was like very complimentary up top. Uh, I like it. Um, <laughs> there, we, I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit, uh, but it's sort of like, we want to do a restaurant analogy. Okay. So, um, you know, you, you're like the, you take over the ownership of this restaurant and the, the head chef has been having some problems. Um, but the head chef also, I mean, for, I mean, there's like a bunch of reasons why you wouldn't want to get rid of the head chef. Like the, most of the clientele have known him for a long time and they, you know, show up, you get like free advertising because his, his uncle's like owns the local newspaper, uh, whatever. I mean, there's all these reasons why getting rid of the head chef is going to be difficult. And it's sort of like this pro con list of, okay, the best thing for the restaurant would be to get rid of the head chef. But you got this and this and this and this and this. Uh, you maybe have something on you. I mean, whatever it is, there's, some, there's all these crazy, stupid reasons. I can't think of any right now. Um, at some point, you come in and you're like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I get this. There's that reason not to fire him. There's this reason not to fire him. There's this reason. And none of them really are about what's best for the restaurant. And I feel like that's where we are with Clay Helton. There are a bunch of reasons, legitimate, good reasons why you can't or, you, you know, Firing him would be difficult, but what would be best for the foot? If you only looked at what's best for the football program, is there anyone that's going to tell you what's best for the football program is to keep Clay Helton? And that's where I think the fans are coming from. We've heard all the behind the scenes reasons, and I think they all make sense. But at some point, if you really want to make the football team successful, having like a great video department and, and hiring more, um, you know, staffers and, uh, you know, analysts and things like that. You can do a lot of things around Clay Helton. Like that. We talked about the house. You're making everything beautiful around the house. The house is still there. That's when you have to kind of like figure out, like, there's no way we're selling this house unless we go inside and make some major changes to the house itself. And they're sort of changing everything around it. Um, so I'm kind of mixing up the, uh, the, the analogies here, but that, you know, that's basically where I'm thinking they're coming from and what, What's the tipping point where they do the really hard thing and do what's best for the football program? It'd be really hard to get rid of Clay Helton monetarily, politically. Like there's all kinds of things that are going on behind the scenes. But do you want to make the football team great again? It's not going to be great with this leadership. That's just my opinion. And, you know, the more pressure all the fans put on the administration and I mean, it's it can't hurt, you know, I mean, they, you, you let it, the fans know, I mean, they know what's going on. You, they see social media. There's reasons why you haven't seen Carol Fultz tweet about the football program. And as soon as, she, as soon as she does, she gets ratioed. Um, you don't see Clay Helton tweet that much anymore. It's because there's so much pressure on them from the fan base uh, out there. And trust me, the administration knows. Uh, they know that what's going on in the peristyle on uscfootball.com. Um, so it's, it's not like news to them, but at some point they have to like figure out all those difficult reasons to fire him are trumped by the need to fire him. If, if that makes sense, Keely. 
Yeah, and and that's why you know USC having the schedule that they had, the third iteration, is is difficult for those who need glaring issues. Because for whatever reason, USC has been like deceptively bad. <laughs> because if you even look at the season, they're five and zero, and that's really easy to market to someone who's not fully watching the games. You know, USC is five and zero, and they're heading to the Pac-12 championship. Well, if you watch the season in detail, you knew what was going to happen. Like you're not surprised by what happened when they met a team that was equal in talent and was well coached, you know? And so, you know, you look at the the Cotton Bowl season, USC played Ohio State and essentially got exposed. Well, people who were watching the team in detail knew that those were issues, issues up front, all those things. So over on Earth 2, if USC had the first iteration of their schedule, well, they're playing two basically college football playoff teams, Alabama and Notre Dame, I'm sure USC has a really bad record and gets embarrassed on a national stage. And that's so much easier to turn around to people who are maybe disinterested in USC football and say, hey, look, this is bad. This is embarrassing for the program. We need to move on. But it makes it really hard when <laughs> the team is 5-0 and and having these inspirational comeback victories to say, hey, we should fire this guy in the middle of a pandemic with still contract obligations, financial obligations to uphold. So it's it's weird how deceptively this team is good, but it's also bad. Does that make sense, Ryan? Yeah, no, completely. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a yeah, weird there's like the on paper and there's the like, you know, you watch. Like that's the like if you're a, a high level booster that doesn't really pay much attention and you're like with Mike Bone in the in the elevator going up to the your suite in the Coliseum and he's like, hey yeah, we're five and oh and you know right on the verge of a, a championship and and you know he's like yeah that sounds great well if you watched everything you know what's going on does that booster go well i thought arizona was terrible why did uh, we get lucky to beat them at the end you know we can't be that good right uh, usually you're not getting that kind of detail but the fans know i mean the fans that are passionate about this understand yeah this has been a you know it's 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 been really lucky that usc was five and oh and like you said got exposed yep pretty much we got some oh. uh, more emails. Is it? I keep forgetting because we keep switching between voicemail and email. Uh, we have another offensive question. It's from Jack from New Jersey. He says, what do the five teams that won their Power 5 Conference Championship games have in common in those games? They all had more rushing yards than the losing team and all had at least 120 yards rushing. While Graham Harrell has been a significant upgrade from T. Martin, this offense will not bring USC a championship as evidenced by Friday night's game. At best, USC will finish 8-4 and or 9-3 and with the air raid or lose in the bowl game every year. Sorry, Ryan, this is proving to be a failed experiment unless you want to move the team to the Mountain West Conference. Jack from New Jersey. See, here's the thing. Um, I think there's a lot of things that are preventing USC from winning a national championship. And the fact that fans are focused on the air raid, this is why, like having a competent passing offense is going to stop you from winning a championship. No, there's there's other, you know, there's bigger fish to fry when it comes to reasons why USC is not going to win a national championship. You know, one of them is recruiting linemen. You know, that's a that's a big one. Like if USC had a lot better offensive linemen, would this offense look better? I feel like it's it's still a competent offense. Um, there's failures with it for sure, but as on the list of things preventing USC from winning a national championship, I don't think this one's super high. I think you could go a lot more. You could find a lot more issues that would be a bigger roadblock towards uh, a national championship. So when people bring that up, it's sort of, it, it's just weird, you know, to me, Keely, it's like, uh, let's go back to, uh, you know, uh, 
you're running a, a Denny's, you know, we'll go back to a food analogy. Like you're running a Denny's and, and, and someone's like, Oh man, uh, the, the bacon's just not as crispy as some of the other Denny's. That's what's keeping you from getting a, uh, a Michelin star. Like, well, no, that's not, <laughs> you know, you're running a Denny's first of all. Um, it, it's just one of those things where like, yeah, you can nitpick of what's going on. And I think if you're going to talk about the air raid, you can nitpick, but if they started running a pro style off, I mean, what they, what were they running with T Martin? I mean, you said it's an upgrade over what they were running. It is an upgrade. Um, what, what are you going to, you just going to change the offense and now it's a national championship contending program. No, like that's just not the case. I mean, to continue the analogy, the bacon is what the customers can taste. It's something that is very tangible for them. And so I think that's why they hone in on it. Whereas they can see the offensive frustration on TV and not really look at like, maybe they're not developing players well enough. You know, that's not like a sexy issue, Ryan, but I mean, I get where they're coming from. I understand the frustration. And I don't think they're saying that this is the end-all be-all. Like, you fix the offense and then USC is a national championship contender. I think these are just fans who know that they're kind of in a straitjacket. Like, you can't get rid of Clay Hilton. So maybe if you move on from offensive coordinator, I think it's just a desperation and, and not necessarily the most logical issue. But that's what... That makes sense for fans, I guess. <laughs> I think part of it too is it's definitely different than what the culture of the the historic like the historic culture of the program yeah. has been. It's the student body left, student body right. If you're gonna get away from that, like when Alabama would get away from that and you're putting up fifty points a game, fans aren't gonna complain. They're like, uh, you know, I really liked when we played defense and ran the football and the game it was seventeen ten and we beat you know, now we're beating teams fifty four to forty eight. You're winning champ. You're still winning. So there, you know, there might be some guys that are still like, I'd rather just not see them do that. And, uh, I don't want the quarterback doing those kind of things. I just want to run the football fine. You know, like, but if you're scoring 50 points, it's hard to complain. Well, this year they're not getting that kind of result. So then you're seeing more of the people that come out of the woodwork. Like they didn't want this from the beginning, but last year when Slovis throws for 400 yards in the last, you know, four of the last five games or whatever it was it's hard to complain as much. Right. And you, yeah. you, know, you have four receivers go for over a hundred yards against UCLA last year. You're not complaining that much, but this year it's not been as good. So you can kind of pile on the, you know, this air raid or this version of the air raid a little more. Well, I think it goes to the, the general theme of why are you identifying the issues, but why are we not seeing any improvement? You know, we we've heard from Clay Hilton ad nauseum about penalties and that hasn't been fixed, but then you look at, at this offense and what they said they wanted to do this year, they said they wanted to average around 50 points a game. And it's they averaged 33.3 points a game. So if you can see what you want to do and you're not accomplishing it, why aren't we seeing uh, at least improvement throughout the season? You know, if, if you say you want to run a certain amount of yards, why aren't we seeing that? Why did that drop off? You know what I mean? I think it's the overall thing of the, the they say they want these goals and yet they can't figure out why they aren't accomplishing it or they can, but they can't like make those results transfer onto the field. Does that make sense, Ryan? Yeah, completely. And and it's one of those things like, why are you even saying anything about the run game? Like you brought the attention to the run game. Clay Helton did himself. And then yeah. ever since he did, they've been terrible. So it's just, it's so bizarre. I just don't yeah. get it. Yeah. I think it's an overall coaching issue rather than I, I like I do think there are philosophy issues with the with the offensive scheme but I think it's a coaching issue as to if you can see the problems why aren't they being at least trying to be improved in season you know I just don't think that's there 
You want to do another uh, email or you want me to go to voicemail? Let's go to voicemail. Okay, here we go. Hello, this question's for Ryan and Keely. And anyways, I haven't really addressed the fact that Dan's gone yet. So first of all, just a shout out to Dan for uh, his great service to you guys. Uh, and, and, you know, definitely miss having him around. But I at least still feel like I can get the Dan snark because luckily it seems like he's still following USC on Twitter. So that's good to see. Uh, sorry, I just had to start off with this that um, because I hadn't addressed it. So this might make this a little longer voicemail. But um, so shout out, Dan. Thank you for everything. Uh, you, you were great. Uh, anyways, moving on. Do you think, I know you guys don't like to get the specifics of coaches' jobs, but do you think that uh, Friday's performance will result in any coaching changes in general? You don't have to name specific people, but in general. Or do you think that, because to me, if it doesn't, then that shows me that the administration is ready to accept the new normal of a Pac-12 South championship and you know, birth in the conference title game, whether we win or not, and that that's basically okay moving forward if we don't. That's that's all I have to say. Have it fight on, Jason Longwood Country. Hey, Jason. Yeah, I actually got a call from Dan the other uh, yesterday, and it was nice to uh, chat with him and get some of his snark. We'll see. People have asked if he can come back, and you know, maybe next year, maybe he'll do like a spot on the podcast or a guest column or something. I think he just needed to kind of step away. But uh, he's definitely following. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he's still tweeting stuff. He still loves tw- retweeting like Pac-12 stats and stuff. So he does those <laughs> kind of things. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. um, interesting stuff. So we kind of addressed a lot of the the coaching aspects as far as assistant coaches go. We talked about it on Tunnel Vision. I didn't think that they were going to make any changes because that's pretty much what they've done. But there are, you know, you could argue, Keely, there's a couple spots that they might want to make a a change, but in general, I mean, it's like you've done this. I mean, there's been so much assistant coach turnover uh, just the last two years. I'm just not sure. Are you just rearranging the the you know the chairs, the deck chairs of the Titanic at this point? Like, you got to fire more assistant coaches. Like, I, I don't know if they can do that. No one's been around that long because people have been fired so often. Yeah, I'm really curious where USC goes from here because. You know, specifically at the offensive line position, that's a a position that had a lot of turnover in the last, like, I would say decade, you know, and that really stunts growth as well. And so you have, you know, you have a full class that that Tim Drevno helped recruit. Do you then get rid of him? And then you have these recruits, you know, it's, it's a tough situation there. And I, and I don't know at this point, like you said, Ryan, does the turnover signal that you don't accept things and, and you're, you're trying to improve it or does that, does that turnover hurt your team because there's not continuity as far as coaching goes? I don't know, you know, but I, I think it's a tough situation to be in because if you come out of the season and don't make any moves, are you signaling to the fan base that you accept the results in that sense? You know, I, I, it's, I'm very curious what happens next and it's kind of been, um, dark on that side from sourcing so it's it's i'm very curious what happens next i am too and uh it's it's one of those things where if you're saying like okay here we're a championship program all right i'm going to change this and i'm going to change this and i'm going to change this and you know years and years and years later and you're still not a championship program you look around like well what else do you need to change like how, how many changes do you need to make why did you make this change two years ago if you got to make the change again you were obviously wrong then um 
you let that guy stick around too long or why did you go this way? Yeah, there's only so many changes you can make before it's just like you make the change at the top. And if the USC administration still feels like it's uh, going to be too difficult to make those kind of moves uh, and, and change the head coach, I'm not sure if they can get behind making a, you know, or any other assistant coaching changes at this point, because you're like, well, I mean, you've changed them a lot. Like every position coach has been changed out in the last couple of years. Uh, where do you go from here? It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, that's the, the biggest issue is the glaring elephant in the room is, you know, even trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to say on instant analysis? It's kind of like, we know, we know they are who we thought we, they are who we thought they were. You know, this is what you're going to get with a Clay Helton coach team, you know, and so you can change everyone underneath him, but it still reflects the guy at the top. And so at this point, do you just save your money and not try and, and go through a different assistant coach and hope that it gets better? You know, I know that's a little uh, pessimistic, but, you know, it's just the, the glaring issue, the glaring <laughs> elephant in the room is that you need to make a change at head coach. But for whatever reason, their hands are tied, you know? Yeah. All right, let's go to another email. We have one from Keith who says, Hey gang, once again, USC is woefully underprepared. They failed to show up and even individual performances failed them today. How does the administration justify keeping Helton and Harrell who have shown that his system is not able to adjust to any reasonable competition? So poorly prepared that they cannot seem to put together consistent effort on offense at all. Please explain how anyone on that offensive line will contribute at the next level. Slovis needs to mature out of the sophomore slump and find consistency or he will be one and done in the NFL after being picked up as an undrafted free agent. I'll give Orlando a pass since the season was pretty much his install time. Just dumbfounded with this team's coaching and prep. Looking forward to the next game, whenever it is. Maybe they can play a Hancock College in a bowl game and look like they can play competently. Sorry, usually I'm an optimist, but I'm not today. Rant over. Happy holidays, Keith Rabin. Hey, Keith. Um, if you're usually an optimist, man, this is a pretty uh, big turnaround. No, I mean, Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be a first-round draft pick. Like, you have to separate how a unit plays in college and then individual potential of players like was Chuma the years Chuma Doga where they like just crushing everyone um on the offensive line no but everyone saw his potential he wasn't even a great performer in college but they saw his upside and he ends up being a third round draft pick and and doing I think pretty well so um yeah it's that's not about how does the team look we get the same sort of thing uh when we cover recruiting and you have a guy that's like why isn't this guy getting recruited? Our team is great. We've played an awesome schedule and he's one of the best athletes and stuff. I'm like, well, he's a, you know, a five, seven cornerback who's plays well for this high school, but that doesn't mean he's a USC level, you know, recruit. It's just looking at the offensive line saying they're playing poorly. doesn't mean no one's going to get drafted. It doesn't mean Keen Slovis is now going to be an undrafted free agent. Like, no, like, People talk about him being the number one pick in the, you know, the draft. So you have to separate that from individual uh, achievements or individual uh, potential. And that's what the NFL is going to draft you on versus how they're performing as a team in college. You can find good players on bad teams. You can find good players that haven't been coached well on decent teams, whatever it is. So, yeah, I wouldn't, Keith, I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater there. Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be a first-round draft pick. Like I think Keaton Slovis will still be a first-round pick. Um, but you know, just 
they haven't played great as an offense for sure, but that doesn't mean everyone on the offensive line sucks and no, none of them are going to get drafted. Yeah, exactly. Completely agree, Ryan. Let's go to another voicemail. Hi, this is Donnie Jr. And last night was truly the worst performance I've ever seen a singular football team put together. We gave the Oregon Ducks the Pac-12 championship on a silver platter. They had no business being in the game in the first place. And all of a sudden, they are Pac-12 champions just because SC can't get out of their own way. Penalties, missed tackles, awful play calling. It was infuriating to watch, to say the least. And it all falls on the shoulders of Clay Helton. There, there truly is not someone who gets paid more and is worse at their job than that man in this whole entire country. There's not much else to say. He must go. Oregon Ducks are awful. We gave them the Pac-12 championship. They ran the ball and let us lose the game ourselves. That's the bottom line. Take care, guys. Passionate, uh, but hard to argue, right, Keely? Well, I mean, I don't know about the overpaid worst man job thing. That's a little bit of hyperbole, but yes, I mean, <laughs> passionate for sure. I mean, and that's the thing. It was such a, and fans couldn't see this really, except for the TV broadcast, but just seeing the green confetti on the Coliseum field, seeing the Oregon Ducks celebrate so passionately um, in the Coliseum after last year's blowout. And you have all these hashtags about take back the West and all these things, and you just can't live up to it. It's just, it's so deflating if you're a USC fan. And, and for what this program was trying to do, you know, at least off the field, they just couldn't get it done on the field. And you just can't do that if you're USC. You can't talk the talk and then not walk the walk. So it's 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 going to be hard to try and, at least on an Oregon front, to try and regain whatever gusto you had prior to this game because it was just not a good image to see your rival basically in recruiting and now on the field celebrate a Pac-12 championship when they shouldn't even be there so it's USC couldn't take care of business and it's just not good I understand why fans are frustrated I don't know if it's like the worst performance I've ever seen but it's you know it's it's bad it was a bad performance for sure um and it's (sighs) yeah it's the real you know it was a real opportunity to beat a you know quality team and it was an opportunity to win a championship in a weird year on your home field when you had more talent and you were you know the favorite in the game and all of that and uh didn't happen so i yeah it's a it's a missed opportunity for sure and it's you know it, it exposes like we talked about all the deficiencies that this team had that were sort of hidden by Hey, we're one to know this week. Hey, we're one to know this week. It's like, well, that was a pretty scary one to know, but you're one to know for sure. Um, you're not one to know this week. And this was the most important game. This was the one that brings you home the championship. So it's there's nothing to really hide behind after this one. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about how much do you factor in the fact that they had to play three games in, in 13 days and they didn't know their opponent until Monday, Ryan? How much do you factor that into the whole equation? Yeah, we talked about this on Tunnel Vision. Shotgun made a bigger deal than me about it. I mean, typically you have three games in 15 days. This was three games in 13 days. Um, You know, you were playing throughout the season. You were playing teams that were 
a lot of times at a disadvantage. The first three games of the season, every team you played hadn't played a game yet. So the first and the opener, you're both it's both your openers. And the second two games, those teams hadn't played yet. So I think that's a big advantage. And then you had that, you know, forced bye week. Now certainly the offensive line couldn't practice and they had to come back in there. Uh, but that, you know, they did all right in in that comeback game. To me, it's like you're a 21 year old kid. Um, you know, it sucks you lose an extra day of rest, and it sucks that you've had to go through all this protocol stuff and everything. But there have been a lot of, I, I would say, there's way more COVID advantages than there were disadvantages for USC. At the end of the day, you didn't have to play the toughest team in the South in Colorado. You didn't have to play the toughest team in the North in Washington. And you know, you got Arizona State. If you played them later in the season. Probably would have been a different story. I mean, they looked a lot better later on. Um, you've had lucky wins at the end of a couple of games. And so at the end of the day, yeah, you had a, uh, more opportunities. You had more benefits, I would say, going, you know, things that have gone your way than gone against you. It wasn't great that they had two short weeks in a row, and it wasn't great that they didn't know who they were playing for the first 24 hours or whatever. But, you know, I feel like those are things you can overcome. Uh, and there, you know, there was bigger deals that kind of went in your favor than, uh, went against you. Yeah, no, I agree. And if, if they're not accepting it as a excuse going into the game, then I don't think we should really put it as an excuse. You know, Clay Helton said that there's different advantages and they were dealt what they were dealt with. So you got to survive in advance in that sense. Yeah. They, they, they didn't, we asked them all about it and they were fine with it. Like, Hey, you just got to play. I'm like, all right, well just get out there and play. You were, you know. Okay, little bit of disadvantage. Do you have more talent than the other team? Yep. Um, yeah. You know, you playing at home? Yep. It's like, all right, go go win the game. Like you should win the game. Yeah. And, and you did. So. Yeah. And it wasn't even like it was a blowout. It was close. There were definitely opportunities to to win. So. Yeah. All those mistakes. It wasn't like there was one mistake. There was a ton of mistakes. Like you fix you, instead of having a ton of mistakes, you have a bunch of mistakes. You probably win the game. But you had a ton of mistakes, and that was too too much to overcome. Mm-hmm. We have an email from Deplorable Dan who says, We play one team all year with a winning record, and embarrassment again rules the day. No change from last year. We are still miles away from being competitive against teams with winning records. One of those in charge at SC going to get their craniums out of their rectums and fire Clay Hilton. Missed tackles, can't run block, can't pass block. If this is the 13th ranked team in the country, then the country is in worse shape than I imagined. This will not change without a head coaching change. You guys need to quit trying to put lipstick on, on this pig. Deplorable Dan. Okay, I don't know what pig we're putting lipstick on. Um, I mean, yeah. pretty much the whole time we're saying, yes, if you want to win, you probably need to change your head coach. Um, so I, if there's something good that happens, we're not going to ignore it because you don't like Clay Helton. I told people, Enjoy the win over UCLA. It was crazy. It was lucky. But you beat UCLA. You didn't have to lose to them. You don't have to hear about it for 365 days a year. Um, they got to go home and live with that. Then they go and lose a heartbreaker to Stanford. Like UCLA looked like a good team later in the year. And they got two heartbreaking losses to end the season. So I'm just saying, hey, kind of enjoy that. We're not going to say everything's terrible because Clay Helton's not a very good head coach. When there's something good, we'll say that there's good. There was nothing much good coming out of the Oregon game. So we're not putting lipstick on a pig. We're going to tell you they were terrible. They didn't run block well. Uh, they missed a, you know some tackles early on. I don't think that was a huge issue. The penalties uh, were there. The turnovers. There were real uh, problems. And you know we talked about what's going on here. I don't know about this craniums and the rectum kind of stuff. But 
we talked about what would need to happen or, you know, why some of the reasons why Clay Helton hasn't been fired yet. Does that change? We don't know, but it's always an interesting offseason around USC. So we'll, uh, you just got to stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Shall Let's, we go to a voicemail? Yeah, why don't we do that? Um, man, there's so many. It's like sometimes I'm like losing track of which one. <laughs> uh, yeah, here we go. I think this is it. Hi, this is Ray down in Florida. After watching the game last night, my attitude, really, I was hopeful for the team this year with the new staff, but that team last night, was as ugly a football team as I've seen SC put on the field. Uh, there's just so many things wrong with this team. They're almost too, too, too great to list in the one minute that you want on this email. Clay Helton has to go. Period. That's all there is to it. You can say what we want. We can be Politically correct, the guy's got to go. He's horrible. And he exudes that to the team. The team is too loose. The team is undisciplined. They can't tackle. The offensive line can't stop. Uh, I mean, the offensive line can't uh, uh, let the running game get started. Uh, you know, and now they can't even pass block. So uh, I'm sorry to be negative, but. Um, Clay's got to go. That's all there is to it. This is Ray from Florida. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. It's the first time we heard that, Keely, uh, that uh, Clay Hill has to go, right? So um, we should probably address it now. Um, yeah, new yeah. issue. <laughs> <laughs> we we hear you. Uh, that was more of just like we had to play it because, you know, that's what the fans are feeling. We we understand. Um, and uh, will that happen? Uh, you know, my guess would be not until 2021. Uh, during or after the season. That's my guess, but something, I think something crazy would have to happen this off season. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? Crazier things have happened. Yep. It's USC. I feel like if we say something's not going to happen, then the football gods summon it and it will happen. So right. So maybe knows? the fans want us to say that. Like, sure, t- maybe, tell yeah. us all that Clay Helton won't be fired. And then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the same vein, we had an email from our buddy Sergeant Strong who said, Hey, I have a crazy thought and would like to know if this makes sense to you. If USC gets rid of Clay Helton, the majority of fans would be thrilled. And if they hire a proven head coach, the fans would be excited for next season. And they will spend tons of money on the program, team gear, advertising tickets, season tickets, suites, etc. And the program would recover fast from this pandemic uh, more versus keeping Clay Helton and losing more money from a not-so-excited fan base that will refuse to spend money on the program. I know they would spend upwards of $20 million to buy Helton and crew out. But in the long run, a new coach will bring the program wealth, especially if they get a proven coach versus keeping Clay Helton. Sorry this is long, but it had me thinking a little bit. Thanks, and fight on, Sergeant Strong. Hey, Sergeant Strong. I mean, I don't know what else we can say. Um, we, you know, he's always, uh, he's been great uh, writing this in, but it's, if you're going to do some kind of cost analysis, yeah, there's there's more than just the money, like we talked about. There's political pressures. Does the... Does the board of trustees want to deal with something like that right now? Does the president, Carol Fult, want to deal with that when they have lawsuits and all these other aspects that the they feel like the university has been embarrassed a lot? Is Clay Helton going to embarrass the university? Or, you know, with running the football team, would 
you know, they feel like he's not going to do that. So, oh, he went five and one. Why would you want to fire him? I, I feel like that's the way some of the leadership above the athletic department would look at this situation. So I think that's part of the uphill battle the administration would face if they were trying to get rid of him. Yeah. I, that's yeah. I detailed it earlier, but that's the issue is it, it looks much better than it is from a fan perspective. Um, so it's hard to get admin who are dealing with lawsuits and everything to be like, yeah, let's spend that type of money in a pandemic. It's just, it's not an easy issue. No, let's do another voicemail. Sure. What's up guys. This is Evan from Tempe. Um, I just want to know, you know, does I'm calling on Saturday. Does last night's game with USC and today's game with Notre Dame just getting pummeled by Clemson just prove that there are really only three teams relevant in college football? Because it seems like it's just Bama, Clemson, and Ohio State at this point. No one else has any sort of shot to beat Bama, uh, you know, with that first game or just ever, you know, out of the teams this year and what we've seen this season. And so I just want to know from you, you know, if, I mean, we need to hire Meyer or Stoops to get back, uh, to really get back. I know that. But I just want to know, is there any other guys we could hire to get back to what we were? Um, and is college football at this, man, this point just a three-man race? So uh, thank you guys for listening to my call. Peace. Uh, thanks for that one. It's, I mean, college football is very different than it was 15 years ago when USC was on top of the college football world. It's just a different thing. And, USC wasn't not only wasn't adapting to it like you if you were a great program in the early 2000s mid 2000s you had to adapt to keep up with what was going on and not only did USC not adapt they were falling further behind and figuring out like this is the way we do things we're USC that's always worked well you didn't realize what was going on I mean they built the Galen Center um, I mean the, the John McKay Center basically for whatever Lane Kiffin had on his coaching staff, not foreseeing that, you know what, people are hiring a lot more analysts. There's a lot more people around the program. You know, they don't have room for all that kind of stuff in this brand new building because they were just going to do it. Well, this is the way we've already done it. We've had one recruiting guy that'll help out and that's it. Everyone else was hiring these huge teams of people. So USC was falling behind from their athletic department point of view, not knowing, you know, hey, this is the way we did things forever. We'll just keep doing them this way. Even if USC, like Pete Carroll was still there, they would have been falling behind because they weren't doing the other things around the program. Now, Pete Carroll might have pushed for that, but the people that they were hiring weren't. Um, the only way to get back into this for me is, is getting someone like an Urban Meyer to come in there. I mean, you could get like a Luke Fickle or somebody, but somebody that's been competing at a high level recently and and realize even from a group of five program like Cincinnati, like They've seen what it takes to get in, um, and I think they've made a lot of good moves in that program to be as competitive as they have been over the years. Now, no one's going to be better than Urban Meyer. He would be the best. He's done it already in this era. Um, but it's it's definitely a it's becoming a regionalized sport. The good thing, you know, you, you're, it's Alabama and Clemson and maybe Ohio State, um, and you know that's kind of it. Like with Oklahoma, they're doing great. They've won the Big Twelve like six years in a row or whatever. But they, you know, they. They haven't broke through in one one of those games. It's been the same teams over and over and over again. And part of the problem is USC has that opportunity to be right up there and to get into the playoff if they were just competent and were able to win the Pac-12 and not lose three games every year. 
um, which has been the case. So I think they've made the administration has made some of those changes that needed to be made that you could that, that all those programs have with the video departments and the, the analysts and all that kind of stuff. I think USC is getting back up to speed there, but they the most important aspect is having the right head coach and they don't have that. So, yeah, it's uh, there's there's not really a whole lot of competition in college football. I'd love to see a more expanded uh, playoff and, you know, does Cincinnati get boat raced by Clemson or Alabama or something? Yeah, probably. But it'd be cool to see, you know, that kind of uh, of a matchup there and, you know, get an extra game in and all of that. But it's definitely becoming a regional thing. I think USC could still get back up there and play with the big boys. They're doing the things around the program that you need to do, but they haven't made the big move you need to make. And that's getting a championship head coach. Yeah, there are so many inherent advantages to be USC, and I think that's why it's so frustrating for USC fans to see why they can't just get over the hump. <laughs> because, you know, like you said, Ryan, if they just went to the Pac-12 championship, they're all automatically in a conversation where other schools, a Cincinnati, for example, are not just because yeah. they're USC. So the fact that that it's they're still not accomplishing that, I can understand why it's so frustrating for, for fans. But Ryan, I feel like maybe not the USC athletic administration but maybe those maybe in higher positions I feel like they just think that college football at this point is just about uh the coaching staff maybe the head coach rather than the arms race that is it's a full effort to try and be a national championship team and I don't know if that's fully understood and 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 I keep going back to your example of Reggie Bush like weightlifting in a in a closet has USC ever understood like what it would actually fully take to get back to the national championship scene yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I feel like, you know, you know, Bone and Sosna come in and and they were dealing with a lot of problems and they're they're upgrading a lot of things. But you make it a lot better and say they do hire the right coach, would that still even be enough? Where they're like, wow, we even have to make more changes, you know? And the advantages USC had had you know allowed you know when they got a good coach in there, allowed them to win. They could recruit at a high level. They were having a lot of fun. Uh, you know, they used the LA and uh, the cool factor of it um, to bring in recruits and to market the program and all of that. But there, when they were winning championships, they had the worst weight room in of any team in the top twenty-five. You know, and is that, you know, wh- why? Why the heck is that? And uh, that was just well, you know, see, you didn't need it. You know, and I, I remember talking to Chris Carlisle about it and them saying that. Well, you know, if you guys win a Pac-12 championship, we'll we'll give you an upgrade. And then they're like, they win it. And then they're like, oh, if you win a national championship, we'll give you an upgrade. And then they win that. And then they're like, well, you already won a national championship. You don't really need an upgrade. And it was just sort of like that was the mentality. Like, this is how we do things. We're USC. And there was, it's, it was a sheltered life, I think, if you're in the USC athletic department over the last 20 to 30 years. And when there was success, it was like, it was great. Pete Carroll's successful. That's awesome. But you kind of just kept out the outside noise and you just kind of kept it in the family. And um, there was just narcissism there. It was just you're, it, you're, You just kept everything close to you and you didn't let outside influences into this bubble of an of a, you know, athletic department. And then you kind of realize it's like you wake up from this, you know, Rumpelstiltskin, whatever, 20-year hibernation and you go look outside like, Wow college athletics have changed a lot. Like, what are we doing? And I think that's why you needed to bring in an outside athletic director so they could come in and go, you know, 
here's what's going on in the world. And this is not what's your world here at USC. Like this is not what the rest of the world is doing. Um, but that's just the way USC's like to do it. Keely, they've just kind of kept it to themselves. And I think the big reason why they never wanted to hire an outsider as athletic director or as head coach was because they knew that they were doing things their own way. And if you brought in someone from the outside, you bring in this outside expert, um, you know, if you, you bring in like the Gordon Ramsay who's going to hell's kitchen your, your place to death. You're like, you don't want to hear that uh, your refrigerator is not at the right temperature and there's rat poop in the, you know, behind the counter and all that kind of stuff. You don't want to hear him come in and rip it apart. So they've just hired people that really didn't know the the restaurant in- industry and they would just bring them. We'll show you how we do things. And it's like, oh, yeah. So it's like you're, you're avoiding going to the dentist because you know you have a cavity. You don't want to be told you have a cavity. USC just avoided going to the dentist for like 30 years. And now now they're starting to get exposed. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where to keep up the, the restaurant is you want to be the, the top restaurant. And then you have someone come in and say, well, you're doing this wrong. And they're like, well, we want to be the top restaurant. But you're not doing the things that you need to do in order to be the top restaurant. So there's, I think there's been a disconnect there where they say the things that they want, but not fully realizing or wanting to accept what it would actually take to get there. You know? Yeah. Good point. Yep. Yeah. We have a text. To... Oh, yes. go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, we have a text from Jarrett from San Clemente. We got into the head coaching stuff, so I'll I'll go into this one. He says, hey, Ryan Keeley, I'm sorry for getting ahead of myself, but I wanted to hear your head coaching hiring philosophy opinions, specifically hiring from the NFL candidates versus college coaches uh, with rising stock. I lean NFL guys for their experience of structure at the professional level that should result in well-run practices and on-the-field discipline. I feel like it should also be received positively in recruiting because the NFL background legitimizes the coach's pedigree that recruits could trust. I respect the Matt Campbells of the country, uh, but I have a greater fear of guys such as him becoming a Tom Herman rather than a Brian Kelly. I have more trust in the Eric Bienemies, the Raheem Morris, and Jack Del Rios of the league. Thanks again. Sorry this was too wordy. Jarrett from San Clemente. Hey, Jared. Yeah, I'd probably disagree with you. Um, college football is different than the NFL. And we've seen, like, I think Herb Edwards is doing a, a fine job there. Um, we've seen too many failures. It's just, it's a different world. Um, we've seen great ho- college coaches not do work, you know, well in the NFL. And if you were, had been a program that's hired experienced up, you know, uh, head coaches in college for your big program, and those weren't working. You wanted to try something like an NFL assistant or, or Jack Del Rio. Oh my God. Like, why would you hire Jack Del Rio? The only reason is because he played at USC. Like that's how you got in this mess to begin with. So I don't even want to go there, <laughs> but you got to try to hire a good college head coach. Who is USC hired? That's been a good college head coach. Like I'll wait for your answer off the air. There isn't been any, like that hasn't happened. So you have to try that instead of like, Oh, let's go get, you know, Eric bien who's a, Offensive coordinator for a head coach in in the NFL that the head coach calls all the plays, so he's really not the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, he contributes for sure, but this is you know that's an Andy Reid thing. You know, that's you know, he's part of it, but that's an Andy Reid thing. I think one of the philosophies and talking to some of the people that are around the athletic department now, there's a, I think there we, we saw that those guys were able to do at Cincinnati, and you can get a guy like Luke Fickle. They made a lot of good hires there. And there's there's a lot of thought that goes into that kind of stuff. Um, if you you mentioned Matt Campbell, like one of the factors they could look at is how how impressive has Matt Campbell been? I remember early in the season they lose to what Louisiana, 
everyone's like, oh, Matt Campbell's terrible. Well, you know, now he's got him in the top 10 and all that. And, they, you know, they, they had a great season. It's Iowa State, and they're able to compete like that. They look a lot better than what USC does with all those advantages. But what? where did he come from? You remember? I believe it was Temple. And Temple's fallen off a cliff since he left there. That's another factor, too. Like, if you're the, a Boise State guy and they're, like, winning 11 games every year and – when you leave, they still win 11 games every year. Doesn't mean you're bad, but if you leave and they fall off a cliff, that probably shows like, man, he really made a difference at those programs. I think they do think about this stuff next level. And there were probably limitations of who they could hire at Cincinnati. There's going to be less limitations of who they can hire at USC. So I I think they're, if they get the opportunity to hire a coach, there's going to be a lot of thought going into it. Not like, well, Sark's been around. Let's hire him. You know, like, that, no, that's not how they're going to hire. Them. Jack Del Rio played at USC. We should give him an opportunity. That's not they're going to be their mindset. So will they get the opportunity to hire someone? You know, I I think most of the USC fans hoping they do so. And I, I have a, a lot of confidence that if they do get that opportunity, they're going to hire somebody good. Yeah, I can confidently say that if they can hire a head coach, it will be a much better process than anything USC has done post Pete Carroll because right. they they have a system, a process. They really think about it, and it's not going to be, hey, did he play for USC? You know, it's going to be definitely different about that. And to go back to the whole NFL coach uh, issue, I think the problem is that it's such a different landscape in college, and I think NFL coaches have a hard time really catering to 18 to 21 year olds, which you need to do, especially on the recruiting trail. Sometimes that just doesn't cross over. We saw that with Clancy Pendergast. It was hard for him to get on the recruiting trail because if you're at the NFL level, they're professionals. They work for you. You don't have to court them necessarily. So it's, it's a tough switch for some coaches to make in the way that college football has just evolved. It just sometimes it's just not a good fit in that sense. Yeah. Let's go to another voicemail. Hi, this is Curtis from Moreno Valley. After this loss to Oregon and the whole season, seeing the air raid, we need to hire an offensive run consultant, somebody with pro sets, I formations, double tights, all of that. Don't think it's that strange because that's what Alabama did several years ago. They hired this guy named Sarkeesian after he was fired. For sh well, we know why. But they hired him as an offensive consultant, and they have passed the ball more ever since. We need a run consultant. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Curtis has brought this up before, and I didn't agree with him then. I don't agree with him now. Curtis, if we want to keep with the, uh, the restaurant analogies, like I think what Alabama did was they were an Italian restaurant and uh, they wanted to get the, some better meatballs and they brought in a meatball consultant and he came in and helped them out with the meatballs and it, it fed along with them. What you're talking about, you know, bringing an offensive run consultant that's going to put them under center and all this stuff. Then you're like, well, we're, we're an Italian restaurant that needs better meatballs and we're going to bring in a sushi chef and see what he can do. It's like, no, it's just that you're, you're trying to change the basic philosophies of what this offense is and good, bad, or indifferent. That's what Graham Harrell does. If you were going to, you're, you're going to gumbo it up. If you're going to bring someone in, it's going to do something completely yeah. different philosophy. So I don't think you want to gumbo it up. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my opinion. 
Yeah, no, I was going to go back to the gumbo. That's basically making it back to gumbo, and we don't want that. It just We've, we've seen what that looked like. Yeah. Uh, we have an, another error rate question. I don't believe we have who, who emailed it in, so apologies. Uh, but he said, sitting back and thinking about it, did we ever think the error rate would work? It sounds good and gets you very excited, but you can never fully buy into a gimmick. Ryan, it's like thinking, hey, I'm going to eat chocolate ice cream and cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. It sounds good, but it's not sustainable. I got caught up in the air raid hype when Cliff Kingsbury, his name came up, and I thought about it, and I thought it could never work here. I hope everybody can see this gimmick. Millie Vanilli, one-trick pony offense for what it is. Beating Arizona Washington State doesn't count. Beat Notre Dame, Alabama, Oregon, UW routinely with it. Do you think Harrell and his gimmick offense gets a head coaching job since they are too scared to let him go? And if so, do you think Essie will hire someone again to run this type of offense? You know, it's... uh. I mean, we, we've gone over the air raid stuff ad nauseum, but I think, um, you know, Graham Harrell's name has come up. Uh, maybe it won't be as appealing since the offense hasn't been as good this year as it was last year, although they're scoring like one more point a game. They just, it doesn't look the same as it was, uh, last year. It seems like Clayton's into the offense, Keeley. Um, they might try to find someone else. I mean, he basically found a replacement for Cliff Kingsbury, another Texas tech guy. Uh, and, and Graham Harrell, my guess is if Harrell leaves, Clayton would try to hire someone similar. The issue is that how much I know USC's athletic admin had a lot of, it was a collaborative process. It was Clay and USC's athletic department getting the whole defensive staff together. How much does USC's, how much does the admin have a say in who Clay would hire next? I don't know. And what direction do they go in? But the the whole thing about the air raid is you do that for to help a team that's not as talented and USC's offensive line is still going to have issues. Now they may develop into really great offensive linemen, but it's not like they're getting the five and four star offensive linemen to replenish who's going to leave. They're not going to have a, a AVT next year. So what do you do then? And I don't know. So do you just keep with the air raid and try and get the pressure off of your offensive line? I don't know. It's it's a tough predicament that USC's in. For sure. Let's go to another voicemail. Yeah, hi guys. It's Andrew from San Diego. And, you know, we're not getting anywhere with Fire Helton, Mike Bone, and Carol Ford. They're obviously not going to step up and do it. I guess my question is why doesn't Clay Helton be a man and realize he's been part of the program for 10 years? It's not going in the right direction. He himself always says the standard is winning Pac 12 championships and competing for national championships. They had one flyer year when Sam Darnold did it. But other than that, he should resign, just like Gary Anderson did at Oregon State and saved the school a bunch of money so they can move forward. If he truly cared about the kids and the program, that's the only option. He's so delusional, he just needs to step up. I mean, where are we going forward with Clay Helton as the head coach? Uh, I think that's sort of a pipe dream, some USC fans that would have him resign. Just, I'm no, uh, you know, psychologist or anything, but if you... You know, you, you get to know a little human behavior stuff. I would say from some of the things that Clay Helton has said, there's definitely a sense of self-preservation there. Um, I don't know if you disagree, Keely, but someone that's trying to do things to, you know, say the right things to kind of put his job in the, in the correct light and, and take some of the pressure off him. I don't think that's someone that's looking to resign their position where they're making $5 million a year. I know a lot of people that would resign their position making $5 million a year. That Gary Anderson thing was really weird. He's a strange <laughs> yeah. guy. But uh, yeah, Clay Hilton says too many things that 
feel like self-preservation, I, I wouldn't think that would even cross his mind. Gary Anderson was like once in a blue moon. And so it's not the standard to refer to. And I don't think anyone in their right mind would just resign from a job where they're earning millions. It's just, it's, it's a pipe dream and it's not going to happen. I don't understand that, that thought process, to be honest. Yeah. So we have an email from, um, sorry, let's go to Jay who basically has issues with USC's offensive line. He says, how does the USC offensive line get pushed around like ragdolls by only three ducks on the line? It has to be coaching. Hilton has no answers. What an embarrassment on national television, Jay. Yeah, Jay, like Shotgun said, um, I don't think it was as bad as maybe originally thought, but there's, it's a definitely area for concern for USC. And this is going to be the best offensive line USC might have for a while. Uh, depending on who leaves, but it looks like Elijah, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker coming back really saved uh, the line and he was banged up a little bit in that game. I think that hurt USC, but you can see a, a not hundred percent Elijah Vera Tucker. The line still struggled against a quality pass rusher. If he's gone, I mean, are you going to work in a Cortland Ford at left tackle? What are you going to do? Maybe he ends up being like a fine player, but I, I don't, I'm not seeing him going to grade out as high as like an Elijah Vera Tucker will. Uh, I, I feel like this this line's not going to be taking steps forward in the next year or two, right? in, unless the recruiting aspects changes a little bit. So, yeah, I, it's a uh, it's it's a real concern, Jay. We've talked about it a bunch, but I, I I'm gonna I'm, this is not something I'm seeing getting better uh, in the next couple of years. The problem is it really relies on player development, and that's something we've talked about for years now, where USC is just lacking in that area, and so you have to. It's not a, a optimistic outlook in that sense we got one last voicemail and then i don't know if there's more emails keely but i'll play this last one for you sure hey podcast this is rick from vista northern san diego county i had a second question about uh, recruiting um you talk about lumping the 2020 class and the 2021 class uh can you explain what that might mean and does that mean that uh, the players from 2020 get an extra year of eligibility kind of sounds that way. In the case that we had a terrible 2020 class, it sounds like this may actually help us by lumping it into the 2021. That way that wart on our skin for having such a bad class might go away. Um, anyways, I'd like to know what you think of that. And then if there's any chance this 2020 class, when's it going to bite us? When's it going to show its ugly head? Because I think you know, that was such a terrible class. I don't know how we're going to get around it, but I think this may be the ticket to get us around it. As far as recruiting goes, you know, it, I, I was still impressed with the fact that we can go outside of California and pull players in from all across the country, even though we got a coach that, in my opinion, is winning in spite of him. So anyways, I'd like to know what you think of that. And, um, yeah, I'm a little concerned also about the running backs. Um, how, why would you want to come to SC if we're running so little? And offensive line wise, man, we got to get some studs in there because we've been pretty lucky the last couple of years. We had a couple studs, but we need to have a stud every year or else we're going to start to lose on that. Um, and hopefully Hifungo will be a first round pick. That'd be unbelievable. I'd like to hear your answer on that. Thank you very much. Bye. A lot of points, uh, from, from Mick there. So essentially what's going on is everybody's uh, everyone that's in college football this year is a, a free red shirt. It doesn't count. They don't advance. Their class doesn't advance. 
So the incoming freshman for the class of 2020 come in as true freshman. And in 2021, they will continue to be true freshmen. Well, that happens to be the exact same thing as what the class of 2021 will be. So it's like those two classes were merged. And yes, USC having a bad 2020 class is offset a little bit by having a good or a better 2021 class now, but it's going to be a huge class. So everyone's going to be dealing with this enormous class. USC signed a small one in 2020. So it won't be as big as some other ones. If you signed a full 25 in 2020 and a full 25 in 2021, now you got 50 people in your freshman <laughs> class. That's a lot. Um, so what does the NCAA do for 2021? All the seniors that were seniors in 2020 will not count towards your 85 limit. So they go away. So there you can, you basically are going to have more than 85 players on scholarship, but you can, if your seniors all come back. The year after that, though, now you're going to have way more people than 85 on your roster. Will the NCAA make a lot allotments for that? Or are people going to get run off? There are going to be more people in the transfer portal. People have left open spots so they can get people from the transfer portal. But it's a, it's a problem they've kind of figured out for 2021. But it's still going to be a problem down the road. And uh, as far as like when is that 2020 class going to bite you, Essentially, is if you have these people on your roster for the next four years that you recruited that you don't feel are ever going to contribute. And that's always a concern. Um, but, you know, it was probably more of a concern with that class. But we've seen some guys contribute, you know, the Parker Lewis's, the Tui Tuli Pelotus, the Gary Bryant. So that's good. Um, you know, we saw Cortland Ford play. We saw Jonah Monheim play. Um, you know, if Cortland Ford ends up being your starting left tackle for four years, okay, that's a success, you know. Um, will they get there? It's hard to say. But yeah, there's. A lot of weird stuff going on with recruiting, um, but the you know essentially there's going to be this bubble class, the class of 2020, 2021, that kind of moves its way through everyone's roster, and we don't know how the NCAA is going to allow you to uh, to deal with that because it's going to be a much bigger class for just about every program. Mm-hmm. You covered it, Ryan, and we have three more questions, so let's just right. move on. <laughs> let's talk them out. Uh, John in Oakland says, hello, Parastyle Podcast. Would you agree that the current Power 5 college football playoff system is just as bad as the old BCS? Every year that it's existed, the selection committee's rationale for picking the final four teams has been different. This makes it impossible before the season in August to tell the 65 teams eligible for the CFP what they need to do in order to make it. Side note, I intentionally did not include the group of five in a discussion of the current CFP system because, this, as this year clearly demonstrates, they will never get into it. Fight on, John in Oakland. I still think it's better than the BCS, but it's still too subjective. I mean, this year was the worst year for the committee by far. Uh, some of the justifications just didn't make any sense. It's an invitational, like a lot of people said. Here's who we think are good. Um, you know, Florida loses like two weeks in a row. They don't even move anywhere. Uh, you know, what? What? it's like the games don't matter. So I think the only way you can fix it is by expanding it. But, you know, having five power five leagues, and only four spots, you knew there was going to be issues. So I think it's better than the BCS, but they need to, I, I think they can't make it fair unless you make it eight. And then the arguments are like, well, these teams are going to get in and get killed, but at least you give it an opportunity, you know? So there's going to be some years where like a Cincinnati gets in and, you know, they, they get boat raced. It's like, okay, but there's going to be other years where they look really good and they were left out and you never are going to know. So at least, you know, and you at least have that chance. So I, I feel like the only way to fix it is to go to eight then there's going to be less complaining about, you know, teams getting left out and things like that. 
Well, I don't understand this, the whole like, oh, don't put teams in because they're going to get boat raced. Teams have gotten boat raced before. I mean, even just look at Notre Dame Clemson. Notre Dame got boat raced and they're in the CFP still. (laughs) You know, it's just like, it doesn't make sense to me. Why not give people a shot? You play to win the game, right? And you never know what will (laughs) happen. I think Notre Dame's going to get killed in their last two games, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, I don't get that argument because it's not consistent with what we've seen. But, you know, Uh, our buddy Dan, class of 62, uh, 1962, has a similar situation. I'm going to paraphrase what he said, basically saying that uh, it's pretty much a regional thing for the CFP. It's East Coast, definitely SEC country. And then he also said that there's, it's hard with the playoff committee. It's purely subjective and ESPN controls uh, the ranking and the publicity. So it's hard. Uh, for USC to get a shot. He said USC would need to join the SEC or Big Ten to be considered. What say you, Ryan? No, that's not the case. They, they, ESPN loves you. They would love USC. They don't want it to be a regional sport. They want rank. They want national ratings. You know, they, they want all of their games to be, to matter. If it's only a regional sport, that doesn't hurt. That doesn't help them. That hurts ESPN. If USC is freaking good, they want to put him on TV. They they put Shelly Smith at, at you know on Heritage Hall on full time basis if USC was good again. But USC's not good. You have to be relevant, and USC's not been nationally relevant. It's not because there's this bias. It's because USC's stunk. You know, if USC didn't stink, ESPN would be right there and and propping them up. You know, uh, they want someone to be able to rival that other stuff going on. You know, in, in the SEC and the ACC, they want someone that could be a Clemson or an Alabama on the West Coast if that's possible. But you know, that's up to USC and that's up to the Pac-12 and they've, they've failed miserably. They're just an afterthought. So no, I, I would disagree with you, Dan. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it. The USC brand is still very strong, even if it doesn't get, deserve it. You know, if USC did just marginally better, I think they would be in a top 10 conversation, but obviously they did not do that this year. We have one final question, Ryan, and it's looking ahead. It's from Brett C from Knoxville, Tennessee. And he says, what is your overall gut feeling with the program going forward with USC going into the 2021 football season? I know that the team won't be as talented as this year. I'd like to hear all of your opinions about it. Love the show. Thanks and fight on. Yeah, I would say it's not going to be as talented of a team, which is a problem. That's why this it was that's why I said it was a failure. This is year 2020 was built to have a good year. And then all the weird stuff happened. You didn't think you were going to have a season. Then you do get to have one and you it's a neutered schedule. USC should have won the Pac-12 this year. Like you're not, you can't convince me otherwise. They were the best team. They had the best situation. They should have won the Pac-12 and did not. It's going to be tougher in 2021. Barring some kind of coaching change, I think it's going to be a lot uh, more of the same. Um, and teams around USC are going to be better. I think Oregon was like a young team this year, and they're going to be better. They were rebuilding and won the championship. They're going to be better next year. Um, and we don't know what the schedule is going to be like. Colorado looks like a, a real team. I think Arizona State's going to continue to get better. UCLA looked like they've turned a corner. You know, there's teams in the in the South that are looking a lot better that USC was kind of lucky to beat that you might not beat next year. Plus, when you have the longer schedule and you know out of conference games and you got to play a Notre Dame team that's you know in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I'm I'm not as optimistic toward. I was I was more optimistic for 2020. I said they'd go undefeated and they did in the regular season. Um, I'm not as optimistic for 2021. Yeah, I agree, Ryan. And just for the sense of the team right now, I think when you have such a deflating loss as USC did, there's a lot of emotion. And when what comes with that is frustration and talk of 
transfer portal and stuff like that. So there are rumblings of that. Whether or not people go through with that is always, you have to wait and see. I know that that happens every year when things are frustrating. So um, I think the team is just, it was such a long season for this team as far as, you know, they were in one of the most strict counties to play football. And so I think there's just a lot of burnout. And so what happens after that? How does this team recoup? That's something that I'm, I'm definitely looking for and just talking to sources and stuff like that. So whether or not we see transfer portal TBD, but there's some frustration, but we'll see. We'll see what goes forward. We will. Uh, speaking of going on a long time, this podcast has gone on for a long time. So <laughs> about an hour and a half of uh, just answering questions. So I think we got through them all. So thanks to you, everyone, for sending those in. Um, never did that many voicemails on a show in my life. I don't know if you've done that, Keely, but this is no. uh, <laughs> that was a lot. Of voicemails um so but we thank you for everyone for sending them in i yeah. know you're frustrated so i just wanted to make sure we kind of got those out of the way so you could hear yourself or listen you know hear us read you what you know what your concerns were we took care of a bunch of them on the uh, harvey hyde show but there was a lot left over so we uh, hopefully handled them well today but keely great great stuff and uh thanks again for coming on Thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays to everyone. Be safe and and hope you have a good time with your family or wherever you are. And thanks for listening all season long. We appreciate you guys. We do appreciate that. Thanks uh, to Trader Joe's, our sponsor. Another great year from them. And uh, thanks to Keely, my co-host. She's been doing a wonderful job on the site. And all of you out there for listening. Hope you have a very safe and wonderful holiday. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.